Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. Hey, Sarah. Oh, hey, Beth. (laughs) (laughs) Such a welcome. It was. I'm excited for today. We're always excited. We say well, that. Well, I know, I know, I know. I'm. Per- I. I. I feel like I you're partic- yelling. I per- okay, sorry. I particularly <laughs> enjoy this topic because it's something that Eric and I are working on actively right now. Oh, your money. Yes. Your money situation. Yeah. Yeah. I. I feel like money is like everything else in life. It's a journey. Yeah. Oh, it's not yeah. just like a one and done. It's like, well, yeah. You don't arrive. No. I, I have arrived at the place where I right. feel comfortable. Right. Although I thought that that was a destination at one point. You want to be a millionaire? No. I don't want to be a millionaire. I want you to. Don't? I want to live without worrying about money. Mm. So that feels like the destination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I want to be a millionaire. Oh yeah. Like, but see, define <laughs> I that the, because I, I, I asked myself this question: industry. Does that mean you have a million in the bank, or that in a year you've made a million dollars? No, 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 no. No, I always, I always laugh because I'm like, you know, like when they ask you that question, would you rather be famous or be the best friend of famous of somebody famous? Have you ever heard that? Like, no, I would haven't. you rather be famous or would you rather be the best friend of somebody famous? And I always would rather be the best friend of somebody famous because I don't want all the I could see that about you. you. Know what I mean, well, great. I'll be the famous person. Yeah, you, yeah, can yeah. The- you can be the millionaire and I'll be the, you know, the step down from that, like oh, where okay. I'm, I'm feeling fine. But no, <laughs> I, 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 I want to be comfortable like you. Yeah. Like not. and But what shocks me. OK, so in preparation for today's podcast, which we're going to be talking about money with a Dave Ramsey money coach, and we'll introduce Meredith here in a minute. But in researching this for the podcast, I was shocked about the misconceptions that I and probably a lot of people have about millionaires and what that means. So I want to ask you, OK, how many people do you think that most millionaires inherited their money? Would you guess? Oh, I don't know that I've ever put a thought to this. That's what I thought. I, I thought th- you were born into money. Like, oh, no. Most people I don't, are born I don't into think it. I had an idea about that. I think I think I always respect people more when I meet them and they've worked hard for their money. Oh, well, yeah, respect's a difference. But, different but no, 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 no. But I don't think that I've ever thought most people who are rich were born this way. Okay, I did. Oh, I kind of, I kind of had that mindset of most people who have money came from money. Just because it seemed like that would be. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. The majority of millionaires don't inherit their money. Most of them do it through convi- like consistent investing, avoiding mm. debt, and then just smart, smart spending. Huh. So they and they and they they aren't like the people that I would think where they all had to have like six figure income either. Interesting. Yeah. No, like. Well, you could be a millionaire and not have a six figure. No, income. that's the whole yeah. point. Yeah. That is what is the encouragement to you, I uh-huh. and everybody else listening is that millionaires are are made 
You know, they're not in the choices in the choices. Ooh, millionaires right? are made in the choices. Yeah. Wow. I feel like that's a quote. I'm putting it on social media. Well, so we're going to be talking to <laughs> Dave Ramsey, money coach, and they Dave Ramsey has a bunch of stats on his website. And one of the things they did, they did this massive study of millionaires. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was like 10,000 millionaires. Mm-hmm. But one of the careers of millionaires most often was teacher. Now, we all know that teachers what? do not make you know, bank, right, bank. But in terms of millionaires, a lot of times they're teachers. And I think that that's super fascinating and encouraging. Do you think it's because they have been educated on how to make smart decisions? I think that, yeah, I think that they Or they've had to live frugally to make sure that they survive. I don't know. We could interview a teacher and a a millionaire teacher and ask her. (laughs) So here's what they have listed in terms of facts about true millionaires. Eight out of 10 millionaires invest in a 401k. Yep. So they kind of invest over time and that's what builds their wealth. So to your point, I think it's more like you build wealth over time and then you can, you know, accumulate enough to live comfortably, not necessarily like you've got millions in the bank at any given moment. Yeah. Most are not six figure income people. Most millionaires graduated from public state schools. Yeah, they don't have school debt. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them, and this one was kind of funny, they use a written grocery list when shopping. So like only 15% of millionaires oh. don't don't have a list when they go. So interesting. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was super fascinating that, that millionaires- Those are really interesting yeah. facts and stats. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So we'll talk about all that. But I, I think the encouragement is, is that any of us can become millionaires. It's there's, all about- There's the, hope. There's hope for us, Sarah. <laughs> I can be in the nonprofit world and accumulate millions. It happens. I mean, if a teacher can do it, you can do I it. I can do it. Yeah. I can do it. <laughs> all right. So today we have a guest, Meredith McField, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred money coach. And her goal is to take people from- financial overwhelm to financial peace using small, simple steps. So in today's episode, we'll talk about how most Americans are living today. And then we're going to talk about the added cost burden when you're diagnosed with a life-threatening disease like breast cancer. Right. And finally, how even if you aren't from a wealthy family or you've accumulated a ton of debt, that you can find your way out of that pattern to hopefully build, you know, substantial wealth for yourself. Yeah. But before we introduce Meredith, let's hear from our first sponsor. Hair loss is consistently ranked as one of the most feared side effects of chemotherapy treatment. The emotional impact chemo hair loss can have on patients has been well documented. Scalp cooling is a simple treatment that can prevent hair loss caused by certain chemotherapy drugs. The use of scalp cooling is proven to be effective in preventing chemotherapy-induced alopecia and can result in people retaining much of their hair. Paxman is the global leader in scalp cooling. Their cold cap is scientifically proven to reduce hair loss during chemotherapy. If you are facing cancer treatment and concerned about losing your hair, ask your provider about scalp cooling and visit our website at www.coldcap.com. All right, we are back. Welcome, Meredith. We're so glad you are here. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I think the world of what the two of you are doing, and I'm happy to be a support. Awesome. Uh Well, let's start talking about how most Americans are living today. You and I have talked about this on a couple of different occasions, and you gave me some interesting statistics about the typical debt for an American family. Can you recall any of those off the top of your head? You know, and the sad thing is, is it's actually climbing. But some of the statistics are 78% of people are living paycheck to paycheck, and a whopping like 75% can't cover even a $1,000 emergency, even a $500 emergency. So, and with the debt 
So the average American household carries about 35,000 in credit card debt. And then you add car loans on top of that. Now I'm not talking about mortgage debt, although that is part of the, the debt picture, but most people have a house payment. We get that. But our what is happening is the consumer debt is rising at such a rapid pace. And with facing inflation, we just have a really, we really do have a money crisis in America. I mean, this is a such a key time to be talking to you right now because inflation is impacting so much right yeah. now. So much. I, yeah. Here's what I want to know, because I, I look at my youthful self and I was so clueless about money, you know, mm-hmm. coming out, coming out of college. I thought that it was the best thing in the world that you could finance everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, my, yeah. my my husband and I didn't have two pennies to rub together. We were so grateful to get jobs right out of school. But, you know, life hits pretty quick and you're like, oh, yeah. if I want nice things, the only way I can afford it yeah. is if I finance. And that was back in the day where you could literally finance your couch. You, well, I It used, was like the best thing you can be like, you mean I could enjoy this now and pay later? Oh, duh. Right. Right. <laughs> right. It's a journey, right? It's not something that most people don't have good financial education. Can you do you think so, Meredith? Do you think most people know how, you know, how to manage their finances? No. And I, you know, I like to call that kind of financial literacy or financial illiteracy. And so it's just a matter of, of, of most of us were not taught what to do, how to spend all that kind of stuff. And, 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 you know, so we walk, we, okay. So we grow up and a lot of it happens in the, what we call the money classrooms in our home. So we all come from a money classroom. Some families talk about money, a lot of families don't where it's a strain but and they don't want to stress each other out or they don't want to stress the kids out so they just doesn't get talked about and so there's a lack of awareness of what to do and so like anything else in life if it's not modeled for us then we go out and all of a sudden okay we say you graduate from college and then or even just starting to earn money in high school and then we have income coming in okay well what do we what do we do with this money that's coming in and our biggest wealth building tool is our income but when we're saddled with debt when we're saddled with all of these payments. And so every dime that's coming in is going out the door. And then you add medical bills on top of that. It's very difficult for people to quote, build wealth when every dollar is spoken for before the money Mm -hmm. even comes in. Mm -hmm. What I hear from you and maybe what I feel like I can apply to my own situation is that like marketing and the, and society and the world out there is constantly hitting you with like, oh, wouldn't it just be easy to get this and to get this, that, and to this, that. And it's almost like, I know the Dave Ramsey has the snowball theory mm-hmm. or the sm- snowball effects, but you can snowball so fast the other way too. Right. And it's that constantly, so, well so constantly it's coming at you. It's in your mail. It's in your email. It's in your Facebook feed. It's like, I mean, everything is constantly coming at you. So it does create a lot of opportunity for you to be mindful and intentional about how you're spending your money and, and managing your finances. One of our values or something that we hold very near and dear is like vulnerability. And like sometimes it is really hard to, to even tell yourself I'm struggling financially. Right. And, yes, and, right, and right. then and then to take the step well, to get out of that. I was just thinking about this the other day. So Meredith knows this is like something I can't stand. But I we have this old bajankity truck from the 90s. <laughs> it, it's this old bajankity truck from the 90s. And I don't know. Don't ask me what it is. My husband remembers what it is. But I get stopped on the road by dudes all the time. They're like, like your truck. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, that's great. I hate this truck. But it's from the 90s. And we I'll bought it. We bought it. We bought it because we could pay cash for it. And it pulls our boat. But it is hideous. And I hate it with a passion. But I was thinking about and, and one of my goals, and I've worked with Meredith on this, one of our goals is to pe- 
to buy a new truck mm-hmm. outright. Mm-hmm. Well, hello, do you know what trucks are going for, right? <laughs> I mean, ge- generally speaking, and then now because of inflation, what trucks, uh, you know, what trucks are going for? And I'm thinking to myself, how long am I going to have to drive this stupid bajankity truck yeah. before I can afford a nice truck? But I thought to myself, like, if every person out there only paid cash for their cars, how many truck drivers would we actually have on the road? Yeah. Not very many. Probably not. Not very mm-hmm. many. Yeah. So I saw that there was this 2019 report from the Journal of General Internal Medicine that there are about 137 million U.S. adults facing financial hardship due to medical bills. So oh. that that's a big number. And I think, you know, us being in the breast cancer space, we see how many women struggle mm-hmm. with finances and managing their medical debt. Mm-hmm. The thing I think is most scary is that when people feel like they can't afford their care, they forego the care they need, right? Yeah. Yeah, or they let or they let their finances dictate their care. Which, right. I mean, basically, it's the same thing. Right, but, right. Yeah. yeah. So they're missing doctor's appointments or tests or treatments or they're not taking their prescription medications and or they've just they've done all those things. But now they have this mountain of debt. Mm-hmm. So, Meredith, um, you are actually a two time breast cancer survivor. So what do you what do you say to people who are in financial hardship, you know, and aren't maybe adhering to their medical care or are concerned about being able to pay their medical debt? Like what what is what are the things they should be thinking about? Well, I think the first thing is just because it is scary. It, it really is very frightening. So the very first thing I would say is that we need to get our, we need to get everything out on the table. So a lot, most Americans don't follow a budget. So the first thing I would say is, is that let's look at the income that's coming in and let's look at, at and put somebody on a budget. If somebody's not on a budget, I'm just going to give some overall very basic things that we talk. I just was talking to somebody about this yesterday. So when you are working on a budget to, and I'm going to get to the medical bills thing <laughs> first as well, but we need to think about the four walls. So when so you're this is for health- everybody. This isn't just medical debt. This is anybody that's in debt or doesn't feel financially secure. This mm-hmm. is how you would approach it. That's exactly right. Okay. So say I'm up at night and I don't know, but I know bills are coming in and I, there's just kind of this want and this need to take control of finances, but we're not sure how. So step number one is to create a, a budget. And the budget is always done. We take care of the four walls first. So we always prioritize. So these are the first four priorities. We always prioritize our housing. So if it's rent or the house payment, that way the house doesn't get foreclosed on. So we always keep a roof over our heads. We always budget for food because that's a necessity and that does not include eating out. So you want roughly 10 to 15% of your income to go to groceries. And as we know, groceries are going, you know, rising, uh, skyrocketing in terms of price, but they must be paid for. So groceries, you keep the lights and the water on. So again, if you're prioritizing and you can't pay your bills, maybe it's time to cut the cable or cut back on some of the subscription channels and things like that. But we do keep the lights and the water on. And then we always take care of transportation. So again, we're going to budget for gas. If you have a car that you know needs gas, which most people do. And if you do have a car payment, you're going to always want to pay for your car payment. And so those are the priorities because we need transportation to get to and from work. We need food on the table. We need to keep our lights and and the water on and we need housing. So then you prioritize other things, which is another discussion, but I want to make sure that people understand the importance of the four walls. Then when you have the medical bills. So what we do is I would just, I would take every single medical bill that I have and I would list them out from the smallest balance all the way to the largest. Now, If you have an addition to that, if you have debt, like if you have a student loan, if you have, if you owe the IRS, 
if you have credit card bills, and then you, you're going to prioritize these things, but they're all going to become part of what we call, and Sarah mentioned this, the debt snowball. So we are listing all of the bills from the smallest to the largest and paying off those balances as we can, right? So you have your income coming in and the debt isn't gonna go anywhere. So we, we must pay it. It needs to become a priority. But again, we're prioritizing the four walls and then we're going to look at the medical bills. Now, sometimes medical bills can be negotiated. I wanna give people help. So for example, if you have a $300 medical bill and you only have $200 to pay that particular bill, right? If you can call the, the provider, the, the doctor's office or whatever and say, I don't have 300, but I have 200 and I'd like to pay this in full. Sometimes they will work with you on that. It truly depends on what organization you're, you're in, you know, whomever you're talking to, but we must address the medical bills. Now, the, the thing that's happening more and more, because as we know, we have a, we have a lack of uh, workers out in the industry right now is that a lot of times now when medical bills don't get paid and even as short a window as 30 days, they're getting turned over to collections agencies because the hospitals and the medical offices don't have the staff to, ch to chase people. So if it gets turned over to collections and you start getting and these people that owe medical bills start to get collection calls, I want to encourage everybody communicate with the collection people. Don't run from them. We run towards our creditors. We do not run away from them. They're not going to go anywhere. All you're going to do is inflame them if you ignore their phone calls. <laughs> but we, if we talk with them and say, hey, I know I owe you $200 and I could give you $20 this month or whatever, then you have a payment plan in place. Do not let them bully you to pay more. If you simply can't, you just explain that I'm on a budget. I will pay this you know, and all of that, and you just move forward. So those are some simple steps, but instead of that overwhelm with everything swirling around in our mind, put pen to paper, get a budget in place and list out all the medical debts. Mm, yes, I, I, I love it. I, yeah, I was having a plan just gives you so much more confidence. Yeah, exactly. It's about right. it's a mental game too, right? Mm -hmm. So much of it's mental, and so when you start getting those small wins, mm -hmm. and when you have a teammate to kind of help you and keep you accountable, I think mm -hmm. that makes all the difference. Before we kind of continue on with this, do you guys want to do bibs in the news? Yes. Yeah. Boobs in the News is a fun segment where we read funny tweets by real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the News is brought to you by Pink Perfect. Pink-perfect.com. Pink Perfect provides silicone prosthetic nipples for women who have undergone mastectomy and breast reconstruction with nipple removal. Visit pink-perfect.com and use promo code FACETHROUGHFIRE to receive $25 off your purchase. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. Okay, so this, the title of this, this is from our friends at The Chive, It's which is my husband's favorite website. Yes. Silly secrets people kept from their own parents. Oh, okay? boy. They're pretty, they're pretty PG. I, I got rid of all the really raunchy ones. First, first of all, I want to know, have you guys ever done something that your parents don't know about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a rite of passage. I think it is a rite of passage. So I can share mine if you guys want to, if I put you on the spot, if you guys don't want to nope. share. You don't Lips want to share. Sealed. Yeah, I knew Sarah wouldn't do that. She don't want. Mom. I don't already added myself. On the last I was just gonna episode. say she, she doesn't want her mama hearing this, even even in her thirties. Yeah, whatever. Which I think it's hysterical. <laughs> I I once took my mom. My mom let me borrow her car to go to the library, uh -huh. and I went to the library, and then I hid another car in the parking lot, oh, and then geez. and then I didn't know what to do, so I I pretended like somebody else like hit me, and wow. I 
Yeah, like it was a hit and run. And so she didn't find out until we all went on a family vacation when I was a grown adult and we were all sharing these stories. Mm -hmm. And she she was half laughing, half miffed. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would venture to guess that she probably had things that she hid from her um, her mother. too. You know what? My mom was pretty, a pretty straight arrow, but I'm Um, sure there was something here and there. Okay, so that's what just to give you context of like what these are like. Okay, this person says. The night I didn't come home from a friend's house when I was 17 because my, quote, phone died or because I lost track of time and fell asleep. It was actually because I discovered Fireball that night and lost all, and lost all control of my motor skills until I eventually passed out in my underwear. My motor skills. Fireball is the worst. I hated Fireball. Oh. Okay. It says, the really great report card I brought home once was actually a fabrication I made on a home computer while they were sleeping. My mom was so proud, so I never oh. told her. <laughs> this wow. one says, my sister once pointed a Roman candle at my head, and I got a severe burn and hair loss. I combed it over and agreed never to tell. I was 10 and she was 16. Oh, Which, wow. I think that's hysterical because there's no way my kids wouldn't out each other. Totally. Like my but, kids yeah. would be running for the house saying, Mom, guess right, what? Right. Okay, so here's I one. wonder what she held over him for that. Oh, yeah, right. Gotta no, something. he held it over her. She was 16. He was 10. Oh, he, right. He Forever probably, he has blackmail he pro- content. I was just going to say, she probably had to drive him everywhere. Yeah, but as soon as the evidence was gone, his hair was grown out, then yeah. what could he? he I mean, Mom would have been like, yeah, sure, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> so these, okay, so here's a few more that are actually finance related since we're talking about money. This guy says, my mom is not good with finances or the internet, so I have been paying a significant portion of her bills for the past decade and she has no idea. Oh, <laughs> that's oh my gosh. so sweet though. <laughs> it's really sweet, but I'm just thinking to myself, why don't you just teach your mom the internet and how to pay yeah. her bills? But yeah. anyway, this says, quote, I've made a lot more money than my parents think I have and the only reason I haven't moved out is because I'll miss my parents too much. Oh, <laughs> that's Sweet. These I, are adorable. I love it that his parents are letting him stay. I'd be like, I don't care that you're not making enough money. You out. Right. Yeah. See ya. All right. This is the last one. This person said, I qualified for free school lunches, but instead of using the $5 that they gave me every day on school lunch, I would save it for, oh, this is not good. I would save it for alcohol or weed. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> he said, he Wait, said, they gave him cash? They gave him $5 for his lunch every day. They didn't used to oh, have like the parents. Yeah, the parents. Yeah. Okay. He said, honestly, Aww. back then I thought I was a genius, but now I look back and I want to punch my former self in the face for it. <laughs> oh, well, good. I'm glad he learned. Yeah, his lesson. He, he feels remorseful. Jeez. There you go. Those there's, are some not great health choices. I know. There's your boobs in the news. <laughs> boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. All right. We are back back. Okay, so we're talking about the four walls. We're talking about what to do if you have medical debt. And we talked about the snowball. Yeah. What do you what do you see in your work as a coach, Meredith, that you really want people to kind of know in terms of their finances? We talked about the mental impact that the small mm-hmm. wins can have. I yeah. mean, is that is that really critical to people being successful with this? Because I'd imagine that it would get very overwhelming when you see it all laid out. Yeah, it does. And yet, you know, there have been many, many millions and millions and millions of people that are in a lot of debt and they have followed the baby steps and they've gotten out. And so I want people to know that there's hope, right? What is your advice for people who where maybe one spouse is better with money than the other, or they're both equally not great with money? Like, how do you navigate those waters? Because we kind of touched on this, like before we got on here, we were talking about our our money meetings that we have with our spouse. And and you recommend that they talk about money in a meeting once a week, right? Is that how do they navigate when their spouse is not on board with them trying to get a hold of the finances? 
really, really good question. And it's very common. So typically what, what we see is, is that in a couple, say you have a married couple, usually one is more of a free spirit when it comes to money. And one is more of what we call a nerd. So the nerd is the person that loves the budget. <laughs> Lovingly and, call a nerd. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Like the geek that loves the spreadsheet and loves to know every single number and wants to balance the checkbook and all of that. And is, is likely more of a saver. The spender or the free spirit, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to go to Target and I'm going to spend a hundred dollars and don't give me a list. I'm going to spend what I want. And I'm going to walk out the door. That's kind of more of the free spirit tendency. And so what, what we encourage people to do is to really sit down and kind of talk these things through. So perhaps the nerd is the one that's doing the budget and then the free, and then, but leave some blanks in there so that the free spirit can, can be a part of the, of the planning meeting. And then you kind of, you are accountable. I mean, when you take, when you take a vow to be husband and wife, I know I'm probably opening up a can of worms here, but we're accountable and we're taking a vow to be one. Mm -hmm. And so really in the eyes of God, we need to be at one with our spouse when it comes to money. So I'm not talking about having separate accounts. It's really what I would advise people is to have one account. I know that's another can of worms. We could be here all day, <laughs> but again, you have all this money coming in. And if you have, and when you have one spouse, that's not on board, it's really important to sit down and go and to say, why, why do we need to be on the same page for money? What is it? What do we want for our future? Do we want to be taking more trips? What would this look like if the medical bills are gone? You know, what, what will that feel like? And often it's a sense of security and the, um, and the piece yeah. that you get from that yeah. is, uh, cannot be overstated. Oh, I was going to share right. that. I, Eric, my husband and I just recently came to like this, we need to, we need to get it together. And I was under the assumption of he made the money, he should take care of the money. <laughs> and yeah. I took it over. And I think the best compliment that I've ever received from him was I have, I have found so much peace since you have organized our finances. And it was like oh. as simple as like going through, I like shaved 80 bucks off of what we were spending every month because of subscriptions we didn't even knew, know we had. Yeah. Wow. Like, I mean, there, I mean, just so many things when you start getting really intentional and you take a deep dive and now like, I just it, it just feels so much better, you know. Yeah, so it, it can it can create peace, it a can, lot of it, peace, peace in your marriage, peace in your heart. When mm -hmm. we when you lay your head on the pillow and you don't have that hanging over your head, especially yeah. if you've had medical issues. My husband and I pay a significant amount of our salary into our HSA mm -hmm. on the off chance that I'm going to need more medical care, mm -hmm. and it's just you know it's really peace of mind that you're after. So at yeah. the end of the day, it's not things, it's peace of mind. You cannot yeah. put a price tag on peace nope. of mind. I want to get into, well, before we go to our last sponsor and people can find out where, where to find you, Meredith, that they want you to kind of hold their hand and, and really help them with this. For people who are listening, Dave Ramsey has lots of books, right? So we want them yeah. to reach out to you if they want one-on-one -on -one coaching, but he had, what's, what book of Dave's, and I mean, he's written several, which one would <laughs> you recommend for somebody who's just now hearing about this for the first time and kind of wants to delve into this on their own to get a sense of how to do it? Where, where would they find that? Absolutely. So his bestseller, it's been a bestseller for years, is called The Total Money Makeover. It used to be called Financial Peace, but now it's called The Total Money Makeover. So I would have anybody read that book. I had my I, my kids read it. It's very easy. It's very straightforward. It's just lots of stories how people got on board, got on a budget, got themselves out of debt. And it just really explains why credit cards are stealing, you know, they're thieves of the future. It doesn't matter about airline points and all that kind of stuff. So I would start with total money makeover. The other thing I would like, I would recommend for people is every dollar app 
is a budgeting tool that's used. And in that Every Dollar app, there are videos that people can watch. So if you're not a book person, you can watch videos by Rachel Cruz and Dave on how to budget and how to do the do these things that we're talking about. All right. Before we wrap up with Meredith, let's hear from our second sponsor. Innsbruck Resort is a proud sponsor of the Faith Through Fire Respite House and the Besties with Breasties podcast. We know you work hard, but at Innsbruck, we also know you want to disconnect from what's stressing you out and reconnect with the important things in your life. Innsbruck makes it easy by offering lakefront living and vacationing less than 45 minutes from St. Louis. Vacation homes, golf, swimming, nature trails, fun events, and more. Take a drive and discover Innsbruck. Visit Innsbruck resort.com. And we're back. Okay, so Meredith, something you wanted to touch on before people found out where they could find you personally is the emergency fund, right? Explain to us what that should look like. Yes. So Dave Ramsey has essentially seven baby steps. Okay. I want to focus on, you know, for our listeners today on the first three. So it is essential to have an emergency fund. It is, it is critical because life is going to happen. It's easy to say, well, we'll save our money when we're out of debt. Well, mm-hmm. no, because you're still going to need tires on the car, right? Mm-hmm. The motor's going to break on the, or whatever. Kid's going to break their arm, whatever. So baby step one is to create a thousand dollars in an emergency fund. This is money. This is cash that is set aside. It is not part of your bill paying account. It is in a savings account and it it creates that peace of mind that you both were talking about to just know that if and when something happens, we have an emergency fund. Now, an emergency fund is not, I need a new coat. An emergency fund is the dishwasher broke or, well, that might not be an emergency to people, but you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you might need a flat tire or something like that. That's baby, that's baby step one. So you do whatever you need to do. You, like you said, you, you look at your budget, you save $80 a month, you start putting money aside, whatever that takes. And sometimes that's going to take a couple months for people have emergency fund of a thousand dollars. Baby step two is the debt snowball that we touched on earlier. And that's when you take all of your debts with the exception of your mortgage from smallest balance all the way up to your largest and you create a debt snowball. So that is seeing how much debt is there. Baby step three, once in the average debt snowball takes about two years to pay off. Okay. And again, we're not talking about the mortgage here. We're just talking about all other consumer debt and student loans. Once people are completely out of debt, then we go to baby step three, which is a fully funded emergency fund of three to six months of living expenses. So to give people an idea, that's going to be anywhere from say 10 to $25,000, just whatever you and your family decide that you want to know, you have peace of mind in the bank and you have an emergency fund. So if God forbid something were to happen, you can pay cash for it. You're not going into further debt. You have medical bills like Beth was talking about. You can pay those medical bills. And then when you do need to use the emergency fund, you're paying yourself back. Okay. So we're not going into further debt. There is tremendous peace of mind of knowing that you have no debt and that you have savings in the bank. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's truly priceless. And I want to add to this too, that women have, especially women, we are wired by God in something that men truly can't understand that we have like that security of knowing that there's money in the bank is just, it's just something that's in us that it gives you such peace of mind when we know that we have money in the bank. It's truly awesome. So I wanted to touch on that. Fantastic. Well, for the people listening who want to get in touch with you and, you know, do a consultation and kind of have you assess their situation and maybe have you walk alongside them as their money coach, where can they find you, Meredith? Oh, great. The best thing truly is to text me at 314-724-1043 or email 
M McVeal peace at gmail.com. But I will talk to anybody, no charge for, you know, a consultation just to kind of talk transparently about what's going on. I am happy to help. Clearly it's a highly confidential conversation and I would just, I would be happy to, but that's the best way to reach me. Awesome. Any final words of wisdom for anybody listening today? (laughs) I would just say, get on a budget and have a plan, have a plan for your money, tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it all went. And it's not too late people. Yeah. No, it's not. There is hope. Yep. All right. Thank you so much, Meredith. We appreciate you being on. I loved it. Thanks again for this honor. It was fun. All right. Until next time, guys. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Leave us a voicemail or share your own experience on bestieswithbreastiespodcast.com. And don't forget to leave a five-star review. This episode was hosted by Sarah Hall and Beth Wilmus. Audio and production edits by Innovative Frequencies. 